Thanks so much, Tim. Well, it's great to be here with you tonight. Um, wherever you are, at home, abroad, um, with uh, your family or um, on your own flat in Fulham somewhere, we are all connected through Jesus Christ. And uh, we are delighted that we're able to use this technology today to connect again and uh, to come together before God. And um, you won't pass you by that um, our vicar Tim has taken all of the really easy topics in our sermon series, left me last week with reproduction and this week with excretion. And you might be wondering what on earth I'm going to be doing in, in terms of preaching this week, and you wouldn't be wrong. Um, I thought about uh, teaching today on Deuteronomy 23.13, which says, as part of your equipment, have something to dig with, and when you relieve yourself, dig a hole and cover up your excrement. Uh, but I decided that was a little bit brief because it was just very sensible advice. Um, and so I thought we'd do say maybe something a little bit more challenging than that. Although it's great to know that the Bible is full of really practical and helpful details like those, especially if you're going camping. Now, um, we might not feel that comfortable talking about our toilet habits. And I've got to be honest with you, I've drawn the short straw tonight, as I've said. I'm on camera. I don't know quite who I'm talking to about some pretty intimate things, but I hope you'll bear with me. Um, but the reality is that, that whilst they are uncomfortable to talk about, they are an essential sign of life. And as a church, we've been walking through this Mrs. Grenz or Mr. Grenz acrostic, which uses all the sort of different biological signs of life as the kind of basis for our teaching this month. So if you just happen to have come on our YouTube channel this week and wondering what we're all about as a church, this is in the context of having spoken already about respiration and about growth and about reproduction and movement. We're going to talk about nutrition next week. But this week is this uh, serious topic of excretion. And you know, one of the interesting and serious things about excretion is it's not really an issue to most of us unless we can't actually do it. It's one of those vital signs of life which actually become a problem when actually they just don't function automatically. And um, in 2016, I suffered from a catastrophic spinal injury and found myself having emergency surgery, which I've got to be honest with you, was pretty terrifying. As part of that work, I had to take quite a lot of morphine, which is not very good for your stomach. And um, actually, having had this very complicated operation, I was, you know, I had the operation. I've got to say, I was feeling as good as you can do after quite a serious operation. And most of all, I was just really ready to get home. And uh, the nurses said, yeah, well, you can go home as soon as you go to the toilet. I said, can I not just go to the toilet at home? They said, no, you've got to stay here until you, as soon as you go to the toilet, then you can go home. And I remember thinking, oh dear, how long is this going to last? How long have I got to wait for this to happen? Anyway, it was, uh, you know, a reasonable amount. Let's not go into the details. Fair to say, there was a point at which I was allowed to go home. But when they were saying to me, you know, you need to go to the toilet and then you can go home, I was thinking, surely this is the least of my problems. But you see, the absence of this very important, essential sign of life actually speaks to very serious issues around our well-being. And so, you know, excretion is important to us physically, but it's also important to us spiritually. I can understand why we haven't had many of these conversations before. They're not easy conversations to have, but they're also spiritually really important conversations to be having because, as with many essential signs of life, 
we're not conscious of them until they fail. And the significance of this spiritually is really important to us because we can have been carrying burdens and actually having not thrown down uh, these things that are inhibiting us or poisoning us for a long period of time without realizing what damage uh, they are doing to our well-being. And as with all of these signs of life, they're complex and brilliant in their own way, not least this process in which all of the waste products of our lives are, are, are taken out and removed. You could say the smell of poo is the smell of life. Uh, <clears throat> it's not very pleasant, is it? It's not exactly the next fragrance that's going to go on sale this Christmas, but, but there's something visceral and true about it, that actually this is something that sets us apart. One of the most inspiring mountaineering survival stories uh, is of Joe Simpson. You might not know this, but our vicar Tim is, is quite an accomplished mountaineer. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, we uh, were chatting about mountaineering the other day, which actually brought this story back into my mind. I'm not an accomplished mountaineer, but I have enjoyed mountaineering stories over the years. And um, Joe Simpson's uh, accounted in a book called Touching the Void. And uh, Joe broke his leg uh, at 6,000 metres, or no, 6,000 metre peak in the Peruvian Andes. And, and Joe was in such a serious condition, actually, he, was, he fell into a deep crevasse. He didn't really know if there was a way out of that, that amazingly he crawled out of that crevasse going down, not up. He then uh, really crawled on his hands and feet for four whole days down the side of this mountain. And he was dehydrated, he was often hallucinating. He was losing a huge amount of blood because he had a very complicated fracture in his leg. He didn't actually believe that he was going to live, but what he did want to do was try and get into a place where people might find his body. And so I want to pick up the story here as he personally accounts. <clears throat> I thought that if I crawled down to the riverbed, someone would definitely find my body. I wasn't expecting to meet anybody, but just crawl to the end of the end game to die there. It was quite horrible. I'd inadvertently crawled through the campsite latrine and I got covered in human feces. Human poo really does stink, but it acted like smelling salts. And suddenly I knew where I was. I was within a hundred metres of where the tents had been. You know, <clears throat> Joe was found by his climbing partner, Simon. And despite having to take an 11 day trek, which is quite remarkable in his state of health, all the way down the mountain, he actually survived and went on to continue climbing and writing. He made a full recovery. Something very important here about this sign of life. As Christians, we can be quite intentional and aware of the food that we put into our own bodies. And as I say, Louis is going to be talking about this next week. But are we as intentional or aware of those things that we need to take off, to throw away, to put down? And I wonder if an awareness of those things might act to us like spiritual smelling salts to prompt us to see our way back to the tent of God's meeting. Might need to steal a glass of water from someone, I'm sorry. <coughs> Paul says in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
You know, Paul identifies. Thank you so much. Come on, thank you. Excuse me on camera. That's too much, too much <coughs> tea and not enough water. So Paul identifies these two different sorts of toxic waste products in our lives that could hinder our ability to run the race laid out for us. And most straightforward here is the issue of sin, the sin that so often and easily entangles us. You know, the truth about sin is that it normally tastes really good before it smells really bad, but you can guarantee that it will smell bad in the end. You know, sin is toxic to our spiritual bodies if we don't dispel it. And it can really inhibit our ability to run that race laid out before us, you know, on every level. Relationally, we are unable to connect socially, spiritually, materially, and emotionally. Sin gets in the way. If we as Christians don't cast it out, if we don't excrete sin, if we don't get away from it, then it will make our bodies, spiritual bodies, toxic. And any of you who are listening, and, and us here in the room, who, who've experienced sin, who've walked into sin and walked with sin, will know and be able to attest to what a damaging experience that was for us. I, I've never met a Christian who hasn't repented and then regretted. You know, no one says, oh, I'm so pleased I spent a long time sinning because now I'm a Christian, I can't do that stuff anymore. It's amazing. <clears throat> people have lived some pretty wild lives, and I've met some people who've lived some really interesting lives, which you know, might make the backdrop to some sort of gangster movie. They never say, oh, I'm so glad I lived my life first and then became a Christian on my deathbed because you know, I, I, didn't, you know, I wouldn't have wanted to you know, get rid of any of that stuff, really. It was really good fun, and I really enjoyed it. Now, when I meet people who've lived in sin, they always say, oh, I wish I'd known earlier to get this out of my body. At whatever level, however serious the things might look that we've been involved with, no Christian ever repents and then doesn't also regret. Praise God that he's come to restore us even from our regret and give us hope and a future. We've got to break free from the power of sin because sin is damaging our lives. Sin is wounding us and poisoning us. Sin is that beautiful drink that is damaging our liver, that's making us die inside. And if you're struggling with sin, my first encouragement tonight is, is to acknowledge it and to cry out to God for help, to be able to excrete it, to expel it from your body. Sometimes we need help. In John 8, 11, Jesus defends the woman caught in adultery from condemnation. But he also invites her to go and sin no more. Jesus doesn't just say, oh, you know, I want to be kind to you, you know, don't let those other people condemn you and judge you. What he says is, I'm going to take the judgment, but I want you to take the responsibility. And in our lives, Jesus has taken the judgment, but he also wants us to take the responsibility. He wants us to respond to his ability to take the sting out of the sin, but he wants us to acknowledge that we have to let that thing go. He said to the woman, go and sin no more. I wonder if there's an area of your life tonight that you want to just hear the words of Jesus towards and go, yeah, you know what? That area of my life, that's, that's the area that I need to address. 
Well, you could say that the sin area is a relatively straightforward thing. You know, if we, we don't normally have struggles to identify that thing. And most of us, if we're honest, pretty much know right now that we need to get rid of it, even if it's a struggle to get rid of it. But the second sort of toxic waste product is a bit less easily defined. It's, it's kind of harder to work out. Paul describes it in this passage as everything that hinders. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So there's clearly two things going on here. There's the sin that so easily entangles and then there's everything else. There's all this other stuff. And I think the everything that hinders isn't necessarily something that we would define as a sin. And, and, and that's why it can be quite difficult for us to really identify what those things are. But I would say to you that it's possible to get spiritually constipated with things that aren't sins and therefore not be able to run the race set before us. Now, I think that very often in life, as we experience the emotional bumps and bruises, we find mechanisms to defend and protect ourselves as we move forward. If you like, if you've got a wound, like with my back injury, I had a wound and you know, I, I, I had these pads, I had to put on it, tape them up, and I was super careful when I took a shower, and I was always kind of like gingerly walking around, trying to protect myself from my three children, who didn't think there was anything wrong with me, or trying to jump on me, or jump into my arms, I'd be like, no, no, no. And that was okay whilst I had an injury. But what about when my injury is healed? Should I still carry on, gingerly walking around? Should I, should I keep putting plasters on an area which is healed? You see, these other parts of our lives, these everything that hinders, they are these defense mechanisms and they're a byproduct of living, but if they're left unaddressed, they can also take on a life of their own. They can begin to hinder our ability to live the vital spiritual life. If, if I broke my leg like Joe in the story, and, and then I put on a cast and I wore crutches, when my leg was healed, imagine if I just carried on wearing a cast and, and carrying crutches. And I spent the rest of my life hobbling around, even though I was well. How could I possibly run the race set before me? Many of us will have dealt with obvious sin issues in our lives, but some of us are still wearing casts and crutches that belonged to wounds that have long since been healed by Jesus. And it's very often those things which hinder us more than the other things. And it's very often those things that hinder our life in the church more than the direct sin things. Because the direct sin things can be dealt with cleanly and clearly. But those kind of defense mechanisms, they often inhibit and hinder our relationships with one another. I've also found that very, very few Christians are really defensive about sin. You know, if, if someone comes to me and says, yeah, Will or, or Tim or one of the other clergy team, you know, I, I've got a problem with this sin. I'm like, yeah, you have. Thanks for coming to see me. They've come to me because they've acknowledged it already. And on the very rare occasions I've seen it in someone else, I've said, you know, I think this might be an issue for you. They've gone, oh, I'm so glad you pointed it out. Thanks so much. You know, I know it's a problem. They're not really defensive. But you try pressing into one of these old wounds. And you see what sort of reaction you get then. Oh, I, I, you know, I hope you don't mind me asking, but you know, sometimes I feel like you, you kind of divert the conversation away from, from the thing that's important. I don't divert that conversation. Or I've noticed that you rush off quite quickly after... I don't rush off. Or I've noticed that you, 
You know, you've been here for quite a long time, but you, do, you, you don't really participate. In the, I don't not participate. We get incredibly defensive when we think one of those old wounds might be pressed. In psychological terms, there are a number of these clear defence mechanisms. They're repression, denial, regression, projection, displacement, rationalisation, reaction formation, sublimation and undoing, and sometimes even humour. These are all the natural defence mechanisms of life, and, and they can lead to self-defeating behaviours. So uh, we, can, we can try and defend our hearts, and then we use behaviours to try and defend our hearts' defences. And they're things like procrastination, or inaction, or avoidance, or perfectionism, or the fear of failure, or approval-seeking, or impulsivity, or apathy, or aggressiveness, or entitlement, or defensiveness, or escapism, or even unforgiveness. I wonder whether you tonight resonate with any of those. I know I do. I'm sure we all do, on one level or another. But the key thing is that Paul's inviting us tonight to, to, unhi- to be unhindered people. Don't you want to just like rip off that, that plaster cast that you don't need anymore? Do you want to like throw down those crutches and stand up and praise Jesus? Because actually, this freedom is ours. You know, the thing is that individualized and personalized, it's so hard for us to kind of identify. I read those long lists and you're like, oh, that sounds really bad. You just give one of those, someone who uses humor as a defense mechanism. Well, they're funny. What's wrong with that? It sounds okay. But actually, maybe they're funny because they're trying to divert from connecting with anyone, honestly, or sharing how they really feel. That humour is like a burden that they need to excrete. They need to you know, get rid of that defence mechanism in order that they can walk freely. You know, it's impossible to grow in the Christian life, aside from the Christian church, because collectively we need proximity to be able to bring a revelation of some of the ways in which we are hindered people. You know, it, it, we can be on our own and we can carry sin on our own and we can carry defensiveness on our own uh, and we don't know that we're spiritually constipated. But you come into the life of the church and suddenly you're surrounded by people who can see the sin and they can see the defensiveness and they're saying, I, I don't want to judge you like, like the woman with Jesus. Jesus, I don't want, I want to see you in judgment. I want to see you in freedom. I want to see you liberated. Come, leave your, leave your life of sin. Leave, leave these burdens behind you because I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. Throw down your burdens. You know, get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. Throw down your mat. Like the call of the kingdom is a call to excretion. It's a call not just to put on, it's also to put off. I, I used to be a school teacher uh, in, in junior years. You had the same perennial problem, especially at the start of the year. I'd always be quite strict at the beginning of the year because that kind of helped with behavior. But then every so often, if you weren't careful, you'd have the sort of tentative hand that would go up. Sir, sir, can I go to the toilet, sir? I go, should have gone to the toilet in break. Now, that's a difficult line to ride as a school teacher because you've got to work out, actually, is this a significant toilet issue or is this actually just a non-toilet issue? And every so often, you'd get that wrong. And that was a big mistake to make, because some poor child would have an accident, and that would be a disaster for them, and very embarrassing, very humiliating. But it got me thinking about this idea of permission. 
You know, I, I believe that we're talking about excretion tonight because God wants to give you permission and you're putting up your hand and sort of tentatively saying, oh, I don't know if I can get rid of this and, and I don't know if I should get rid of this and, and actually I, I'm not sure I'm confident to get rid of this. But God's saying, you've got permission. Stop putting up your hand. You know, take action in Jesus' name. Like this is the time to, to drop this junk, to, to get it out of your life, to get it out of your bloodstream and find spiritual health and well-being. Now, and I, I imagine what the church would look like if collectively we could excrete some of this stuff and leave it behind. Go back to Deuteronomy, dig a big pit and chuck it all in that and, and let's all gather in the tent of the Lord and be free. Because when the church is united, not just sin-free, and that's a great thing, but not just sin-free, but really united beyond our defense mechanisms, that's when the church is going to really transform the nations. It's going to transform the world. Paul says to the Ephesians in 4.22, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and, and, and put on the new self, Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The mistake we often make is that this is a one-off rather than a weekly habit. If you went to the toilet once and said, I've done it, mum, you'd be in trouble. You've got to keep on going. This is a process about renewal and transformation. We've got to keep as our daily practice to put this stuff down and pick up the things of the Lord, to excrete those rubbish, all that it hinders, and put on the things of the Lord today. You know, in psychological terms, we talk about cognitive behavioral therapy, changing our minds to change our behaviors, but before that, we need compassionate belonging treatment. That's not a psychological term, that's a Christian one that I just made up. Because we need to know that we're loved and that we belong. And from that position, we can begin the work of the renewing of our minds. You know, we can actually throw out the junk when we know it's safe to do so. And so I want to say to you tonight, St. Dionys, to the church, listen, let's get rid of sin in our lives. Let's throw out all that hinders. Let's deal with that other stuff too and say, actually, how can I be part of this deep community? How can I let go of my defense mechanisms for the sake of really growing up in faith in Christ? I, I want to grow. I, I, I want this. I want to let go of some of this stuff. I don't want to be defended anymore. You know, I said earlier about my back injury. My back injury was the start of my recovery. But what was in interesting was that I was doing what I was talking about. I was guarding. And uh, I was chatting to Laura, our worship leader tonight, about a, a physiotherapist friend of ours. And he, he used to watch me walking up the stairs. I thought he just always was very polite. But as I went to see him for my rehabilitation, he would always wait, watch me walk up the stairs, and then he'd follow me up. And I realized on the third session we had, he said, yeah, you're still guarding. And I was like, we haven't started our session yet. He said, no, I've been watching you walking up the stairs. I've been walking up the stairs like this, terrified to move my back, terrified to move my neck in case something broke. He said, you know, you're inhibiting your freedom and your growth and your recovery because you're guarding and you don't need to guard anymore. You need to let your guard down. Only when you go free and flexible will your back actually be returned to normal. Will you be restored? And here I am. And I can not dance or jump or run, but I can do a load of other stuff. Look, I'm Mr. Flexible. Like, I'm not guarding anymore. 
I had to let down my guard in order to be healed. I, I want to speak that over your life tonight. Friend, will you let down your guard and come into the community of the church in order that you might find your healing? Because Jesus is calling you tonight to let your guard down. To start talking from the heart about your emotions and your struggles and your vulnerabilities and your sin. And Paul's saying, throw it all off. Because we have a race to run together for the glory of God. And that God, in Psalm 103, verse 3, it says, forgives all your sins and heals all of your diseases. So let's invite that God right now to come into our lives. And we're going to share the communion together. And what a wonderful place uh, to lay down our sin and all that hinders and acknowledge the sovereignty and love of a God over us. In Jesus' name. Amen.